Hey, how's it going? Yeah, good. How are you? Good. Sorry, just choking on choking on water. How how easy can it be? It's water, and I'm I'm choking. I think that's the way I'm going to die. If I don't just die of old age, or I think uh, a couple of times, the nearest uh, to death uh, I've come has both both been choking. Really? So, yeah. Once taken in water, once on a fly, well, I swallowed it, and the, <laughs> and uh, then once when I gulped down a smoothie and there was bits in it, and I could not get air in. I thought I was going to die. I was on the floor and I was thinking, I can't breathe. That's no yeah. way to die. So you're it's the horrible. old woman who swallowed the fly. Yeah. You, you have yeah. that, you have that nursery rhyme? I mean, that was my first mistake, and then the spider made things worse, if I'm being totally honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Okay, so this is sort of about nature versus nurture, um, but I'm not quite sure of those definitions. And the ones I've read, I'm not sure I agree with mm. wholeheartedly. So basically, if we could wipe our memories, like men in black, literally wipe our memories, our past, our passions, our beliefs, hopes, ambitions, all those things that sort of became us, do we have us left? Or is it just hardware we were born with, like a computer, that depends what you do with it? You know, would we be starting again? Um, you know, would well, we so this, this is kind of a, a question about whether the blank slate is in any sense real. And, and I think we know that's not the case. I mean, you, you, we all come into this world with a um, fairly hardwired propensity for certain things. I mean, many, many of these propensities we share as just, you know, being of the same species, but all the differences too are, um, you know, in, you know, in virtually every case for anything that interests us psychologically, about 50% of those differences are genetic as well. So that just the idea that right. you could get a, a true reset and you would be equally likely to express any sort of interest or talent or preoccupation that that we know that's not true i mean 50% of your deck is pretty in, inscribed upon birth i think that's what i think is it piaget the psychiatrist when he was mm. asked what's more important for the intellect of a person nature or nurture he said that's like saying what's more important for the area of a field the length or the width <laughs> right right which I, actually, was, I hadn't heard great. that analogy that's a great one though because there really is there is not a clear boundary between them and they interact so fluidly that it's um, I mean, the environment changes, gene expression, people begin to grab. What does that mean? What does that mean? The environment changes gene expression. So you're saying a gene is a potential. It's purely a potential, and then the, the uh, effects upon it, social, economic, whatever, can make you a different person with that same gene. That's what you mean. Well, isn't well, it? it's more than just potential. I mean, you know, certain genes just are by definition if you're going to survive those genes will be transcribed i mean the genes that you know create your heart muscle and your of course you know, everything else so so your your genes are are switched on but there's differential regulation of, of genes and there's there's also just genetic propensities that given the the right environment can be expressed but in the absence of that environment, there's obviously no way for them to be expressed. So you may take, let's say there's a gene, I don't actually know where the research is at this moment, but let's say there is a genetic 
propensity for alcoholism. Well, you know, that can only find expression yeah. in a culture and, and society that produces alcohol. You know, if you don't have access to alcohol, you'll never find out whether or not you have that yeah. phenotype. And the interesting thing, the interesting thing about that is it's about the same incidence in humans as other animals. Even lower organisms have a, 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 about a 10% alcohol dependency. They did experiments mm. with monkeys and, uh, you know, they were the wild monkeys where they left out beer and stuff. And uh, they created about the same, you know, graph uh, as in humans. But the difference was uh, there was no stigma attached. So if in one uh, troop the leader was a drunk, mm. he would get drunk and behave badly. And when he was sober, they just respect him the same. There was no <laughs> stigma. They just go, yeah, he's, he's, yeah. A good, he's a good lad. He likes to drink. He's a good lad. He's the leader. Let's get him an aspirin. Those are very boring AA meetings among the monkeys. There's <laughs> nothing to apologize for. This, <laughs> sorry, this sorry I raped well. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no, there, was no, there was no stigma. That the hierarchy didn't change. They were just accepted on the other things. So it was just, you know, it, just, it was just like that. You know, to, right. some, some of them like nuts more than others. <laughs> um, and um, it would, there's a, there's a, in, with bees, sometimes bees get a little liking mm. for it and they go for the fermented apples again about 10 percent. and if they come back to the hive and they're a bit drunk they're not let in there's bouncers going you're not coming in here mate you're pissed you're not coming in boy you know and they and they stop them even to the point that if they persist they will they will beat them up and sting them to death so it, with bees a lot more moralistic than monkeys yes. monkeys go whatever <laughs> there's quite a temperance movement among the bees yeah, Hardcore. so I understand that. Like, um, like there can't be a gene mm. um, for uh, loving video games, right? But there well, is a well, gene. But they, yeah, not not bespoke for that purpose, but no. there certainly can be no. a gene, or likely a hundred genes, that would lead you to be better than your friend at video games because of the way they influence the nervous system. You know, hand-eye coordination and. Yeah, All of, of course. Uh, recognizing objects on the horizon, yeah. speed of exactly. Yeah, a propensity to do things like that that would have been useful. I mean, I, I think I've got to stop assuming that everything we have, and that even if it's an advantage, was useful in an evolutionary framework. It could just be a, a mm -hmm. happy coincidence. And I, 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 there's one that I cannot get over. We started talking about it in one of our conversations about dark behaviors in animals, why they do this, why they do that. And uh, like, uh, for example, cats, you know, the people of cats torture mice. And mm. people thought, oh, they're just, they're just cruel. But actually, that works because, again, it works evolutionarily, because if you tire an animal first, it's, it's safer to kill it. So that would come from when it had to take on a snake or something, where they had to tire it out, look, look like it was torturing it, but then it wouldn't get bitten. So they still right. do that with mice or whatever. But one I can't go over, which I don't know if you know the answer to this. Male lions sometimes kill and eat their own young. They know they're their own young, right? And someone said, well, that's because that, 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 that makes the female ready to mate again. But what's the point? If mm. you keep killing your own genes, what's the point in mating again if you're going to kill them again? 
I don't get that. I don't understand. I, I know male lions kill the young, uh, the existing young of of other male lions, right? Or what? Or yeah. plausibly other male lions. But yeah, I, did, I didn't know they killed their own. Maybe they're just they very kill their stupid. own. They don't look very smart. Well, maybe those male there must lions. be there there must be a reason for that, or simply that if one survives, it's crazy as well and good for good for that. I don't know. I I don't know why that can be. I mean, that's that's counter survival, isn't it? Killing your own. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's um, if it's a widely conserved behavior, you do reflexively reach for an evolutionary explanation. I mean, it's just yeah, it seems like it would be weeded out over millions of years if if in fact it's harmful. But I don't actually know what the plausible st- scenario is there. I mean, it, it, the it could just be some error rate with respect to this this uh, bias for killing kids that you don't recognize as your own, right? Because rather often, that's going to work for you genetically, right? Like, why expend resources on some other lion's cubs? Of course. So you, no, you I, know, get, you, I get, I get, I get that why a male lion yeah. would kill other people's other offspring. Even you know, yeah. So, I, so you know, assuming I, that there's some error rate that would be acceptable there, you know, you'd have to do the math on on that but i don't know maybe there's some other explanation that uh, well maybe maybe you could look that up and tell me sort of at a later date this is what i'm going to spend the next week doing (laughs) (laughs) you scheduled my week for me yeah exactly (laughs) fantastic so so lion infanticide exactly yeah so by nature we mean our dna any predispositions anything that was group selected and by Nurture, we mean anything from socioeconomic, uh, what's available, peer pressure, exposed to some things and not others. That, well, the, that, the, that's the, the thing. strange thing about the nurture component, insofar as it is separable, I mean, so, so for, first, just to be clear, it, it is separable in the sense that, you, you know, once you control for genetic difference, I mean, in the case of identical twins, then the differences between those people, in the case of people, it has to be a matter of environment, right? Because nothing's left. Yeah. And then once you control for environment, once you have a perfectly matched environment insofar as that's possible, then the differences between people are genetic because you know, they've been given exactly the same food and input and parenting. And, you know, again, it's ne- never quite possible, but in some limit, you can dissect out these two variables. But they interact fluidly. And so it, it is often just misleading to talk about genes and environment separately because yes like if you have a genetic propensity to be an early reader right and to be really and, and so so then you experience very little frustration in learning to read I mean you sort of learn to read by accident your parents notice that about you that you you love books they encourage that they surround you with books you know you you begin to find your way toward books because that's what you like to do so you you begin to sculpt your environment in conformity with this genetic propensity, and so then what's so at that point, what's genes and what's environment? You're just obsessed with books, and you know it might have gotten started because any yeah. impediment to your learning to read at the first provocation was removed, and now you're the person who's asking for books for Christmas, and that, yeah. that now that looks like your environment and, and it looks like your parental behavior. But well, the, that's so, very interesting. So there, there, there's, there's no I, boundary. That's very interesting because I thought I was born with a love of learning, 
which I, I still think I probably was. But you having said that, because of my economic situation, I couldn't have anything but books. Mm. My mum couldn't afford anything, but I knew I could have any book. She'd make sure I could get that book or a library right. was free. So that's a mixture of both as well, isn't it? That's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. I've never thought about that before. Yeah, um, but the, and of course, you... we, we turbo we, we, we turbocharge nurture as well. Like, you know, someone, a, a kid who likes a bit of tennis and is six foot, uh, you know, 12, and you teach, so you go, you're going to be a tennis player <laughs> and you, you make sure they are. So opportunity as well. Yeah, yeah it's fascinating. Yeah, but unfortunately, well, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your view from the point of view of being a parent, very little, it seems, based on you know, all current research, that very little of the environmental influence is due to the parent's you know, conscious attempt to create a wonderful life or really? failing to do so for the child. Yeah, I mean, so the environment really seems to be more a matter of the influence of friends and everything kind of outside the home. I mean, this is a difference that accounts for so much of the difference between siblings, right? They have this non-shared environment and even have very different environmental experiences in the home. And is that because, is that because of the age that things matter more? Like they're only with the parents for the first mm -hmm. four or five years and then they're probably with other kids more than the, the parents when they're active and learning. Yeah, it, it could be some of that. And on, on some level, I mean, once you recognize that as a parent, your main contribution to your kids has been the genes you gave them. It's not to say you can't screw up terribly. I mean, obviously, if you hurl your kids out the window and, you know, then, then you're, you've killed them and you're a bad parent and you've exerted a decisive environmental influence on them. But Within the normal bounds of being a decent parent, there's just not that much you can deliberately do to change the trajectory of your kids, and therefore you're sort of you can you can you know seizing the good end of this, being you know already a loving person who wants the best for your kids, you can kind of relax in a way that many parents are unable to relax when they think it's all on them, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis to make sure their kids, also, you know, love you books only as much them, as they, they can, you know. You only gave them 50% of your genes, and you can blame the other partner yes. yeah. on all the bad ones. That's By all means, it. do that. Yeah. Or, or you might have given them your bad 50%. That's the other thing. Yeah. You, can't, you, can't, you can't choose what 50% yeah. they get. I can assure you, I held, what I was holding back was even better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could have been somebody. Yeah. When does, um, so here's a, a slightly related, when does a, a baby start being aware of itself and wanting to learn? Okay, let's get to it. When does a baby know it's alive? When does a baby start thinking? You know, because it is, mm. it is just a, a, a blank sponge when it's, it's not thinking thoughts, is it? It has no language. It doesn't understand anything. It has no knowledge. So it can't think, can it? It can feel hungry and it can cry for no reason. But when does it, when would you say a, a baby is thinking? What age? Well, it, de it depends what you mean by thinking in the end. I mean, obviously, linguistic, conscious linguistic thought comes later. 
but hmm. there's certainly evidence of of thinking, you know, in the form of cognition, and even hmm. even what we would recognize as as moral cognition very early. I mean, long before any productive language. I mean, kids, if you show them a puppet show of various moral actors, right? You have a kind of good puppet and a bad puppet, or yeah. a cooperative puppet and an uncooperative one. You know, it, it can show or seem to show a preference for the good over the bad, and which is to say it can distinguish the behavior. And I mean, that happens around six months or so, I think. And that's, that's before a single word comes out of, of that baby. So it's hard to know what, but is that, what is thought that, is. Is that a moral that decision or is it fear versus safety? Because some things, they wouldn't be moral. They would just, you know, it would yeah, rather it's be more like... like pre- intentional the, preference, yeah. Right. So when does a child when does a child learn to lie? When someone eat, when it eats the cake and you go, "Did you eat the cake?" It knows it's in trouble mm-hmm. and it says, "No." When does it learn to right. lie as a as a as a choice that helps it? Yeah, life? so th- there is a lot of research on this that goes under the name of theory of mind. Theory of mind is the representation of the minds of others, right? So the the understanding in each of us that other people have beliefs and expectations that can be different from our own, and therefore they can be manipulated or, or misled. Right? You can you can give someone a false belief, which then they would operate under, and that's that's what a lie is, right? So you know, someone's asking you what's true, and you, in a consciously calculated way, misrepresent what you know to be true, knowing that they will then have a false belief, and that will affect their behavior and expectations. So yeah. short of that, short of having a, a view of other minds, again, this is somewhat misleadingly titled theory of mind in, in science. It's not like it's a theory, but you really can't lie. I mean, you can, you can effectively lie, but you can't consciously lie. So kids don't tend to develop that until they're around four, which is pretty late. Right. You know, like yeah. they're, just, they're so inept at understanding that people have other points of view that um, they just can't, you know, so, so the, the classic test here is you get two little dolls and, you know, they put them in a dollhouse, you know, they're in, they're in a room together and, you know, you tell a story, one leaves the room and then the, the remaining one picks up an object and hides it somewhere else and then the, the other doll comes back and uh, the, you ask the kid, you know, where will the, this doll that came back think the object is? And uh, until about the age of four, they always point to where the object now is, not not recognizing the significance that the doll was out of the room when the the object was moved. Right, right. So they, okay. don't, they don't have a sense of the other's perspective. So anyway, that insofar as that's a a valid test of this, it does so seem the first that, lie. It's about four, okay, so four the first lie years is just, old. So yeah, so that would be them. My, my example is them knowing that this is a shortcut for an easier life. So if if I'm in trouble, if I say I ate the cake, I'll say I I don't, I didn't eat the cake, then I'm not in trouble. So there's this, that's a pure what's best in this situation. Then it develops that they tell the truth and they get rewarded or the parent knows they're lying and it's worse. So all that then develops this, this, this sense of morality and, you know, altruism versus selfishness or whatever. When do you think it? When when do you think they start understanding what we call the white lie, where you you tell 
you, you tell a lie to save someone's feelings. Hmm. Yeah, that's definitely later on. That's very sophisticated, that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, and it's, um, I actually don't know when that reliably starts. I mean, it's a much more nuanced kind of social cognition when you when you have a sense that you would be hurting somebody's feelings by just blurting out well, it, the truth. Well, it might be think. that. You see, it, it might be altruism. It might be, I can't stand them to be upset, I, I'll tell a lie. Or it might be, being nice to people rewards me. They like me more. They share their sweets with me. If I say mm. I like your hat, they give me a sweet. So it might be altruism, or it might, it might mm. be yeah. the lie doesn't matter, but it benefits me. It benefits me. Psychopathic manipulation. Yeah. 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 But but no no one would say it was a bad thing, would they? No one would say that was a bad thing. It's still nicer to be kind and compliment someone, even if then you're rewarded. That's my thing about altruism. I don't really care that it's rewarded because I think it makes the world a better place. Mm. If someone feels good about helping people and giving their money away, then so be it. There's much worse things to feel good about. Than yeah. helping the yeah. world, so I don't, I don't mind that that distinction about whether anything's truly altruistic or not. I don't care that it is or isn't. It's better to be kind. But I would, I would even push it further in that direction. I think it's it's very good to be psychologically rewarded by that pro-social behavior. I mean, you want that kind of you know flywheel effect psychologically, yeah. where you you love the feeling of making the world a better place that's yes that's a good thing to have going yes exactly well some some um you know compulsive behavior is good it's good to it's it's some addictions are good it's good to be addicted to exercise mm. that's a good right. so it, it, it depends i suppose the result sometimes although there is the, the truth is there is pathological altruism this is actually a phrase now in oh psychology i mean there are people who it, it seems to be a symptom of depression in some people, that one's depression can get connected to this feeling of that you should basically be giving everything away. And I think there was a famous case. I think it was a New Yorker profile on this guy who was, you know, trying to donate, you know, every last organ he could donate to strangers, and it was pretty clear that he was clinically depressed and had this kind of masochistic form of altruism that was expressing itself as a, you know, was, was clearly a, virtually a suicidal commitment to helping other people. And so there, there are cases like that. I think that... Did you, there, was a, there was a story, like, I think it was 20 years ago in the paper. Uh, I think it was a German guy who advertised in a paper. He wanted uh, someone to volunteer for him to kill them and eat mm. them. Yeah, I do remember and that. Someone, and they, they, they went to the pictures and had a meal and, he, and they went home and the bloke said, I've, I've, I've changed my mind. And the bloke went, all right, okay, no, don't worry about it. I just think, who, who uh, I mean... Wait a minute, but is that how it ended? I don't actually remember the, the ending. I think it didn't happen. Hopefully it didn't happen. Hopefully oh. I'm remembering it right. But uh, it was all about, is it, is it legal yeah. for you to give your permission for someone to murder you and eat you. And, <laughs> you, you know, I think there was an S, uh, who's that guy? There was an S&M group here that got in trouble for nailing 
his own penis to a lump of wood in a session and, and he videoed it. And I, would, he got I, would say that, I would say the punishment was, was meted out uh, in the very act. <laughs> yeah. right? I, don't, I don't think you should know, get, but, you shouldn't get in trouble for that sort of thing. That should I be... like the idea that, listen, <laughs> I will die on this hill. It is my right to nail my penis to a lump of wood. It'd be, it'd be like um, Lenny Bruce in court going, listen, Your Honor, this is what I do. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, it, I, want, I want to end this with, it takes all sorts. Now, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, there are people that do, you know, horrendous things to themselves. and I mean, they're not hurting other people, but we do protect them. Like... You know, you you have to wear a seatbelt in England now. Right. You, that that that's not up to you. You have to wear a crash helmet. Well, well that's part of not the, up to you. In that case, though, it's there's a, a straightforward argument there because if you if you're the kind of person who says, "Listen, I want to be free to not wear a seatbelt and not wear a helmet when motorcycling and to smoke two packs of cigarettes a day," I mean, you, you want to be free to do all of those things. Well, yes, you're sure you're, you're free to do those things, but then. When you show up at the hospital requiring you know two hundred thousand dollars worth of medical care because you ran risks that no one yeah. else was running, well, that, that bill is on you, right? I mean, that's, but those are de- those are different by definition because smoking is legal. Yeah. So you can't you can't blame the, the gov- you know the government has said it's legal, so they can't turn around and say you shouldn't do it. Ex- except, except you must wear a crash helmet. Good, there's a very good argument I think for given the the straightforward health consequences of smoking. And given that the rest of society has to shoulder some of them, I, I think cigarettes, I mean, in some countries this may in fact be true, they should be taxed and some of that, that tax should go to defray these costs to society that are, are inevitably well, I th- born. I thought that point, I thought that, that even though we know it's a terrible toxin and it causes m- more deaths than anything, they pay such ridiculous tax that right. governments say, we we need the money, which is uh, again, uh, which is which is odd to me. Well, no, um, no, because but the thing is, you can put a price on human life, and it, you can you can certainly put a price on the the specific costs to our medical system, born of smoking or even driving without a seatbelt. If if you want to drive without a seatbelt, I think it probably should be legal if you just pay the cost of that risk. If you're going to spend whatever it is, ten thousand dollars a year for the freedom of not wearing a seatbelt, knowing that you're, you know, well, you, some you number can, of people though. like you are going to wind up in the hospital and w- we're going to pay for it. You can, because you can, you can drive your car around your private estate yeah. if you're rich enough, <laughs> and then you're, you're, then you're not even breaking the law. As one does. Yeah, but, you're, you, but your suggestion is that you can pay your way out of the law, in a sense. It is the law, so you can't have someone... Well, it's the law I mean, for a I mean, reason, though. I mean, it's just the underlying reason yeah. for the law is that predictable harms follow from this behavior, and we don't feel like paying the cost. Well, sometimes, but I think there is a case for people saying, we don't want you to smash your own head in. Mm-hmm. Even if, it, if, even if you, we don't scrape you up after, we still don't. You're a person, and we care about you as a state, yeah. so we don't want you to smash your own head in. Yeah, but, but think about to. all of the dangerous pastimes that we allow people to do that are that are more dangerous in fact than driving without a seatbelt in the end right you, of course you can be you can get one of those wingsuits and you know jump jump off a, a mountain and yeah uh, i mean i think the chance well, the chance of dying in one of those wingsuits is something like 30 or 40 percent given the 
careers of the people who have perfected well, that art. If, if I could buy if I could buy a jetpack and it was a million dollars, I would be dead in a week because <laughs> I would that's that would be worth it. If I could fly around for a week in a jetpack, like I'd, I'd, I'd take the risk. I say, Jane, this isn't going to end well, but I'm going to have the best week I've ever. Right. That is that is a perfect title for the series that will cover these misadventures. Dead in a week with Ricky Gervais, and we just follow you around London in your jetpack. Yeah. Oh, oh, well, I don't. I don't think we got the bottom of this. So you need to find out why male lions sometimes kill their own young. I like your idea that it's it's stats, it's random. I'm going to kill everything, and I hope my mate keeps my own young away from me. <laughs> that I, that 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 would make sense because then that gene pool would be strong, and she'd be strong, and yeah. I, 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 or just that there's some error rate. Yeah. I'm going to go with these are not the smartest creatures on earth, and uh, you know they're defaulting to. I don't recognize that one. Let's let's start again. Yeah, and it's like um, there's a there's a bit in um the movie Braveheart when they go release the archers and some guy says to the king, "Won't we kill our own men?" And he goes, "Yes, but we'll kill theirs too." Right. So he's done a calculation that this is <laughs> it, yeah, all things um, considered. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So finally, mm. would you rather right wake up with the head of a dog right, but your your body? Right, maybe a German Shepherd. Mm-hmm. I think that scale would work. I like those. Yeah, lovely, lovely looking dogs. And uh, it's—I'll give you your mind as well. You're, you're not just a dog's head on a body that doesn't—he doesn't know how to work. It's Sam Harris. It is Sam Harris. Can I speak? But now you, Can I speak with the dog? Yes, you've got—you've got to speak. Box, but you probably—you you, probably have a lisp because the tongue would be. You go, "Hey, I'm Sam Harris." Okay. You'd probably talk. Like that. Hey, you want to go play in the woods? So you'd you'd uh, you, you <laughs> you'd be treated different. People would pat you on the head. Mm. So you would be. This is nature versus nurture. Because even though you're Sam Harris, people would start treating you differently. Mm. That I, like if I met you, if you were the head of a dog and you were Sam Harris, I go, "Hello, hello, Sam. Who's you're a good boy? I loved your I loved your pain. You mean your I would have pain. even less gravitas than I have now? So yeah, but you you know you'd wear suits and you'd you'd still go to suits, you'd, you'd, okay. you know uh, <laughs> you'd still do talks with Richard Dawkins and that and you'd huh. maybe smoke a pipe in I don't know but or the other way around the body of a of a German Shepherd and the the head of Sam Harris just scuttling around on oh. four legs so. <laughs> That that's strange. I have a uh, now now yeah. I, I know enough to know that I, I might be getting this wrong, but um, yeah. given our yeah. our uh, recent conversations, but I do have a very clear preference. What, one of those strikes me as much more grotesque than the other. Do, do you the the, the, the head of the, you on a dog? Is yeah, grotesque way one? more yeah, grotesque. I mean, yeah. it's not even close. Yeah, it's an abomination. Yeah, whereas. You know, uh, lovely, handsome, <laughs> handsome I mean, Alsatian. I'm, I'm already shopping for hair care products. And yeah, a, a little new bit brush. of gel. Yeah. Ray-Bans. Yeah. Ray-Bans. Little suit. At, at, at least I'll keep my hair. I know I'll keep my hair in this day. <laughs> yeah, you'll never go full. <laughs> yeah, it's that one. It's that one. Also, I, I don't know. There's, some, uh, there's something really rough about scuttling around 
yeah. on all fours. Especially with that, with, with my head, with my current head. My current head looks yeah. worse than a dog's head in that context. Well, I think it's the humanity of it we don't like. We don't like seeing that person who looks like us hmm. on the wrong body. It's weird that we accept a talking dog more that's, you know, six foot on the mo- We accept that more. Yeah. Then, yeah, you're right. You t- you got that one bang on. Ten right. out of ten. Well done. All right, I stuck the landing. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs>